your Van Seas Weekly, the home for info and insight on the Vancouver Canadians and all Toronto Blue Jays minor league prospects. Hosted by Greg Ballack and Charlie Caskey. It is time for episode 11 of Your Van Seas Podcast. I'm Greg Ballack, joined by Charlie Caskey as usual. And we're almost a month to the day since our last podcast. Apologies for that, but uh, we have some good things in store for you in the next few few days and coming weeks because uh, we'll have a special guest on this one. We have Mike Reeves of the Blue Jays organization, of course, spent time with Vancouver this year. Uh, he's going to be joining us a little bit later, and we have a few other things in the works for some podcasts coming up in, in shorter time, not uh, another month, Charlie, <laughs> like our last one. So No, uh, you can we're, look forward uh, we're to hoping that. for sure. Um, but with, I am very excited to bring Mike Reeves on for this episode because he, uh, you know, is, if there's anyone that's going to give uh, a good um, review of some of the pitching prospects that we've seen come through Vancouver and that then he's caught, uh, it's going to be the catcher because he, he sees it firsthand, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, we, we, you always look at, at catchers and you look at, you know, the boosts, the announcing boosts in the major leagues. They're always, there's ex MLB catchers mm-hmm. scattered everywhere. Managers. Managers, you know, they always have a great sort of overview um, and just a, a, a great sort of sight of the game. So, looking forward to Mike giving us a bit of a bit of insight, not only on the pitchers. He he get to he get to got to caught this. Ugh, I can't speak at all. He got to catch this year, but you know, <laughs> I, I'm I'm curious. You know, we're we get to watch these these minor league players all the time, but. I didn't speak to hardly any of them this year, so mm-hmm. it's it's nice just to get a bit of kind of insight as to what what the life of a minor league player is like. And and Mike had to make two moves this year, played on three teams, so it'd be kind of cool to get um get a bit of feedback or mm-hmm. info on on how he managed on how he managed that. And I like these interviews, you know, outside of the stadium because they seem to be a little more open, a little more relaxed. Um, you know, they open up a bit more about stuff because if it's in the you know, pre-game or whatever, they're always thinking about other stuff. So I, I like this uh, yeah, the post-game or the post-season interviews. A little yeah, bit when they're in, it's like almost like when they're in uniform, it's an automatic cliche cloak. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily all of them, but it, it, it doesn't help. And and like you said, the season's over, so he's had a bit of time to reflect on it. You know, he, he probably wasn't thrilled with the season, having started in Dunedin, not got a ton of at-bats, and then demoted we can call it um, mm-hmm. to Lansing and then and then sent down to Vancouver for the playoff the stretch run so um, you know what it, it'll be interesting to get his take on his season and, and where he thinks you know he needs to go we'll get to that a little bit later but first we we probably should recap the end of the season since our last podcast came before the playoffs even started uh, unfortunately <laughs> um, you had a trip to Boston mixed in there how did that go yeah well it, Anytime, yeah, Boston was fantastic. Yeah. Um, to it was my fortieth, as some people are aware of this this year. But it was back in February. Nobody wants to travel in February. That's right. Um, so February was a terrible of, month. Terrible month. Terrible month. Terrible month. Uh, met a couple of friends from from London, England. I was used to live there for a long time. Um, sort Boston, sort of halfway. Um, they're not huge <laughs> baseball fans, but I managed to drag them out to one game at Fenway, which was unbelievable. I mean, for for those that have been to Fenway, they'll know what I'm talking about. Just the Swim atmosphere, the Swim bars around there. We we got to hang out in that bullpen bar that they got, where you they open the Green Monster and you're literally looking out at you're on field level, looking watching them take BP and stretch and this <laughs> and that. And 
and then uh, sat up in the nosebleeds, but managed to sneak our way down to seven rows back, just right. behind home plate for about the seventh inning. And, of course, uh, got to see both Dan Norris and Kendall Graveman's Major League debuts. Yeah, that must have been a huge yeah, it was thing un- for you to see Norris, I, especially. I, as soon as he came out of the game, I knew you'd be... Oh, I, I tweeted was, that you'd be giddy like it, a schoolgirl in the crowd. Which yeah. is basically what I was. Kind of, <laughs> There was two Blue Jays fans next to me, and you know they are just Blue Jays fans, not prospect hounds like I am. Mm. So I was just blabbering away to them, and <laughs> I'm sure they were uh, looking for me to shut up after a while. They're Probably just, didn't help. So I had a bunch now, of beer beforehand, let's be honest. Um, so yeah, I got to see them. Obviously, you struck out Ortiz? Yeah, struck out Ortiz on a, on a filthy, filthy curveball, just frozen completely and then I mean I thought Graveman looked alright Cespedes kind of just threw his bat out on a, on a cutter and got lucky went the other way over the second baseman's head which I think he ended up coming around to score and, and then of course it was just a gutting game Jansen came in right. and blew a blew a two run lead they, they blew three leads throughout yeah. the game and that was kind of you know I believe on the night all their other uh, wild card you know participants had lost that night so they they would have been looking at I think it was two and a half. Two and a, they could have been two and a half back after that night if they'd won that game. So sort of signaled the downfall of the season. I think, yeah, because then they went out and lost the next day. And although they salvaged, you know, one uh, one game of the series on the Sunday, um, yeah, for me that was kind of the end. Even though they they went home and swept the Cubs, <laughs> um, you know, they needed to take at minimum two or three in Fenway, possibly even a sweep because. Mm-hmm. You knew going away to Baltimore and and the Yankees, you know, even though the Jays were were in it, you know, Baltimore's just a better team, and they've struggled historically and this season in in Yankee Stadium. So it was always going to be tough, and yeah. and the road trip proved to be uh, even worse than that. I think they went one and six, didn't they? Yeah, something like that. I can't remember. But mm. You said Boston was halfway between London and and here. I think you're at this point. You're probably better off going the other way around the planet and meeting somewhere in Russia. I think that'd be a little bit closer, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, probably not as much baseball <laughs> for me. I was being a bit selfish. It was my birthday. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. They have to fly over an ocean. So Listen, uh, is this podcast about geography? It can no. be. No, it's, it's our about podcast. Baseball. So let's talk about <laughs> Fenway and beer and whatever else I okay. got up to out there. That sounds sounds more up my alley, I think, <laughs> than geography. I do I do love a good geography discussion, but so yeah, so that meant I missed the final series. I didn't listen to it at all. Obviously, I I missed the one yeah. game, the one home game they had. Um, the seas led off the uh, the final series against Hillsborough and were up, weren't they? Um, but Hillsborough came back in the last few innings and won yeah. that game, and then going away to Hillsborough was always going to be tough. Both close games. They, yeah. they lost two straight in the final, but you know there was a two-run 7-5 loss in the first game and then a one-run loss in the second game, 4-3, to three, um, which I believe they were up in that game as well, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to check well, the box score on that one. But It's funny. My other road trip this season... Um, was was to Portland. I, my wife always wanted to. Uh, we talked about this on another podcast. Go to Portland, so I thought it was a great idea that we timed it when the seas were down there and went to Hillsborough. And Hillsborough, a good team. You know, they had a lot of older guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a lot of returnees. Um, so it was it was never going to be an easy. You know, the Spokane sort of two games against Spokane in the in the North Division final seemed. You know, the Canadians seemed quite dominant. Um, whereas, well, they were that team that had such a great first half, but then lost a bunch of the guys that got them to that point. 
and just really were on the downfall ever since. Well, then. they didn't lose that many, but yeah, they they. I mean, they had a, they finished last in the division in the second half, yeah. and they you know hadn't played all together all that well. You know, they called up five guys from the Arizona League, but that's like the Jays calling five guys up from the Gulf Coast League. Right. It's, <laughs> it's not going to help that much, except put a few warm bodies on the bench. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the Seas were definitely favorites in, in that series, and they came through. Um, but Hillsborough was always going to be tough. They were the they had the best mm-hmm. record in the league um, for a reason. They they dominated Boise in the in the South Division final. So. You know, I, I thought it was the um, the Seas were actually a better team than they were last year. They just ran into a, a, a good team. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I didn't get to see the, the one game that was here, um, nor did I listen to any of the games. So I don't know the ins or outs of it, but mm-hmm. I'm sure a few things didn't go their way. Well, in the last game, actually, they, they were down to start the game. It was Smoral with a bit of a poor start. Uh, gave up all four runs in the 4-3 to three loss in only two and two-thirds, and then... Um, the, the bullpen kind of took it the rest of the way and, and shut them out, and the Canadians mounted a bit of a comeback, but uh, it wasn't enough. And like you said, Hillsborough is a tough place to, to do that, especially when you dig yourself a hole uh, right in the first inning, giving up three runs. So uh, it was a tough one for the Canadians to swallow, not getting the four-peat, but three out of four ain't bad when you look wow. back at it. <laughs> yeah, and I wrote an article recently, you know what, we're we're gonna have forgotten this. This is probably the last time I'll talk about it. You know, it, it would have been nice to see another flag stenciled into the side of Nat Bailey Stadium, but I think they're gonna have some big things to announce this year. Hopefully, they've got approval on on the expansion plans mm-hmm. for Nat Bailey, and pretty soon we're gonna be talking about who we want to see here next year, and and they're gonna be talking about that, and everybody's gonna be talking about something else. So yeah, it would have been great to be talking about or tweeting drive for five or whatever <laughs> next season. But, you know, it's, it's such a such a changeable environment in minor league baseball. So the fact that they've gone to four straight right. finals is, is phenomenal. Three in a row is unheard of in today's age. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know, I mean, they obviously, you know, Vancouver is or are the, the Blue Jays' baby, and they draft players specifically to send to Vancouver. Mm. Um, and I, you know, they make, you know, we'll, we'll talk to Mike and he was sent down late when Pentecost went down. I'm guessing that was exactly just to, to help them, you know, Mm -hmm. Vancouver get into the playoffs and and go for a championship. So they obviously, they do a lot of work. You know, last year they called up Mitch Ney and Chase DeYoung and all those guys. And this year, Rowdy Tellez came down from Lansing. You know, they, they spare no expense to, to ensure Vancouver's got a solid chance Mm of, of winning the, is it the Bob each Freitas trophy? I can't remember. Freitas. Freitas? Yeah. I pronounce everything wrong. <laughs> um, so hey, you'll get a five-year deal from Sportsnet if you keep pronouncing oh stuff wrong. Oh, God. If, it's, if, if we talk about that. <laughs> I think we should. Let's uh, let's open those. Uh, Jesse, I was uh, I was chatting to Jesse Goldberg-Strasser, the excellent play-by-play guy for the Lansing Lungnets, who hopefully will get back on the podcast. Pitch Talks All-Star, soon. if you've been Pitch, to pitch Talks All-Star, yeah. yeah. Um, he was listening to our last podcast, and his one comment was, Charlie, you were swearing far too much. <laughs> um, and if we talk about Pat and Buck re-upping for five years, I'm afraid I'm going to start swearing again. So I'm not <laughs> sure I want to talk about it. Uh, let's just make sure you have your MLB TV subscription and you have the option to listen to the away broadcast. Like, that's that's all we should do for you, Charlie. Uh, yeah, um, I guess I should do that. That's what everybody else kind of does, all the sort of... 
the new age baseball fans just, just watch it on that, don't they? I know on the PlayStation you're actually able to because you can get the app for the PlayStation to watch if you have, a, if you have the subscription. Uh, and I was actually able to get the radio broadcast overlaid on top of the video oh, feed, okay. but you're like you're like two, three minutes behind yeah. live. So it makes tweeting kind of difficult. Um, but well, yeah, if you want to live tweet, I suppose it does. I mean, last year in the playoffs... Or even uh, just be on Twitter, because you'll be spoiled of everything once you, another, once you uh, another uh Another color guy that I absolutely despise is Rick Sutcliffe, and we get exposed <laughs> to him, unfortunately, yep. during playoff season, because he is one of ESPN's... Uh, is it, I don't know ESPN or TBS one one of the one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. He shows up come playoffs, and uh, yeah, I remember last year trying to get uh, Shulman on uh, ESPN Radio, who I absolutely love. Yeah, um, and yeah, you're sitting there with your remote, stopping it, stop pausing it, starting it, trying to get it exactly right, but uh, it's it's difficult. <laughs> I but I'll be doing it again this year. <laughs> one of the uh, comments I kept seeing when this the buck and Pat signing for five years story broke um, was if it's not them, who would you rather have? Like, what are the options that are out there? Um, do you have anyone in mind that you would, you know, a, well, a, re- a realistic well, person that would come I, in and be Yeah, to... my, my choice was obviously is not realistic, but with Jim Houston in the CBC, and who, which is now Sportsnet, could you offer him a summer gig? You know, he I thought he was a great baseball announcer when would he was he with the Blue Jays. Yeah, would he want to? I'm sure he's financially secure. <laughs> um, and I know he lives he lives out this way, doesn't he? So Yes. He he was commuting for the last couple of years doing the CBC broadcast as the as the number one guy. And obviously the number one team has to go to Toronto. Um, they couldn't be out west, bless <laughs> them. Um, and he was commuting, so I doubt he'd want to commute throughout the summer as well to do right. Blue Jays games, but that would be mine. And you know what? I thought him and Buck made a great team. Uh, Buck Martinez, for me, as a color guy, mm-hmm. is not bad. Yeah, It's just when he has to talk all the time. Yeah, and he does the TBS color in the playoffs, and he's yeah. he's, he's really great. good. Yeah, yeah. He, he has great little tidbits and insight, and he brings up the right information, and he, he's a catcher. Like, he knows the game well. He's not a play-by-play voice, though. He, no. They've tried for years to, to, to sculpt him into one. And and we heard it on the Dalton Pompey first career homer. He almost he halfway calls him Ryan Goins until mm-hmm. he corrects himself. Like it's stuff like that where you know for me that's you know m- pe- people are going to make mistakes. Um, yeah, it it's just the lack of kind of improvement improvement the <laughs> the lack of want to get on board with it's almost like they cringe whenever they have to say OPS him and Tabler and they mm-hmm. it's like someone to force them to say listen at least you got to talk about OPS. And you can you can feel their skin crawl through the TV when they have to talk about it, which isn't even an advanced metric. No. Um, but they just bang on and on about pitchers' wins and and, <laughs> and the other team. And the oh my God, the loving <laughs> with Derek Jeter and and anybody else. You know, I think I tweeted this out. I was I was at home one day, which I'm at home every day. I'm a stay at home dad. <laughs> um, I never turn on the TV though during the day. Um, but I the kids must have been out with someone and or I just locked him in the bedroom, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I turned on a White Sox game, and, you know, I hate Hawk Harrelson. I absolutely yeah. hate him. But I almost was, you know, like, I'd rather have this guy, a, a total, complete homer, over Buck and Pat, who are sitting there rubbing the balls of every opposition player, you know? <laughs> Talking about, I think it was, they were playing, the Jays were playing Tampa Bay, and they were just going on and on and on about how great, how young... The, the Rays staff is and 
led by Chris Archer, yeah. who's only 26. Yeah, and <laughs> about your own staff. <laughs> yeah, you know, like if the Jays trade one of Dickey or, or Burley next this offseason, which is entirely possible that they do, you're looking at one of those guys at the front, and then four guys under 24. Yeah, you know they're going to lead this rotation through the next few years, and it's just like what. Well, you know, let's let's get a grip and talk about our own team here. Yeah. So it's they drive me up the wall. Um, who else play by play? I don't know. Skip, bring someone new. You know, well, with Jamie Campbell, bring him back in the booth. Yeah, I, I saw that floated. I think uh, Andrew Stoughton kind of mentioned it. I don't know if it was half sarcastic, half joking. I was living overseas during his tenure okay. as a play by play guy, so I never got to hear him. Um, he was me, he was. Rusty at first, but he showed improvement year after year, and his calls got better, and they got uh, more confident, I think, over the years. And right when he was seeming to get it and becoming his own personality, they they bumped him over to the BlackBerry booth or whatever it is right. now and brought Buck in. So I'd be interested to give him another shot. I, I would like it. <laughs> I guess at this point it's kind of grasping at straws. Anyone would be better at this point, but... Well, that's that's the thing, you know. He's a young guy. He's, he obviously knows the, the team backwards and forwards, so... On that sort of tangent, if it's not Jamie Campbell, then, you know, who came, prob- I, I'm guessing sort of came out of the blue a bit. Um, why not look at, at the minor league levels? Someone yeah. like Ben Wagner out of out of Buffalo or, or, or Jamie in, in Lansing or, sorry, Jesse, Jesse in Lansing mm-hmm. or, or one of those guys, yeah. you know, see see what they have to offer, you know, something sure they'd totally. they be very willing to, to give it a shot. Yeah, it's something totally off the wall. I mean. Uh, for for our listeners here on the West Coast, um, the the local radio station that owns the Canucks rights, their radio play-by-play guy left um, to go to Sportsnet um, and do TV broadcasts, and it was a kind of a big thing. Who's going to replace him? And and they went out and got the Toronto Marlies guy, you yeah. know, who is probably going to work out to be excellent. So I'd love to see them go uh, a younger and be someone who's more kind of in tune with the advanced metrics mm-hmm. that. A lot, a lot of us, you know, I, uh, not everybody's into that sort of stuff. So it's not like they could just sit there and talk about war and right. FIP and, and WRC+. plus. That would get old to even me, and I'm interested in that stuff. Well, yeah, but it, <laughs> it would have to be sort of a gradual process yeah. and used uh, effectively, you know. Yeah. not. And even if they don't use those terms all, all the time, just get away from old school pitching wins. I, yeah. I think I tweeted the other day that I was... I, I could not believe, I think Ryan Goins did what Ryan Goins loves to do, hit a weak, broken back grounder to second, but there was a man on third that scored, and Buck Martinez kept going on and on about how Goins cashed in the <laughs> RBI, and it's just like, it was a ridiculously terrible at yeah. bat, but there just happened to be a guy on third, yeah. which, which is why people that know advanced stats know that RBIs are useless right. stats. Oh, but he got the run in. But he got the run in. He did, and it's. But but he didn't even mention that. He just kept banging on about how Ryan Goins added to his RBI total. It's just like, oh my god, I just want to kill you. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess Sportsnet big their big breakthrough this year. They started to, to work in the pitch use percentage, which I think was a first for this year, where they have the pitcher every time a pitcher came in. Yeah. Um, they would flash up the thing of how often he uses each of his pitches. Which is useful, I guess, if you want to see what type no, of a pitcher you're dealing I, I li- with, like which you that. usually would know. Um, but another thing is when they're showing the statistics that they bring up, they have a the huge list of stats, many of them useless. Mm. Um, one of them that's not on there, though, is innings pitched, which kind of bugged me because I is innings pitched. Like, you want to know how, how many innings a guy has taxed on his arm. 
Um, <laughs> and they have how many games he's he's pitched in, but they don't have how many innings he's pitched in. That, that kind of was a head scratcher to me. Well, um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I like about the Sportsnet <laughs> broadcast, and I'm one of the the oh, cave dwellers, obviously, that doesn't have an MLB subscription, so I watch Sportsnet day in, day out. And I love the pitch tracks. I love when they they not only use the pitch tracks, but they have sort of the 3D overhead view of where it crossed the plate yeah, and, and was what, this year as what well. height, which was all new this year. Because um, you watch a lot of other broadcasts, and they don't have pitch tracks. I know the Mariners broadcast doesn't. Well, they flash it up every time there's Occasionally, a Occasionally, but they don't yeah. have it every pitch, and you don't get to see, you know, where a pitcher's spotting, what side of the plate he's working at, which I think is great. I, I kind of find myself watching that little screen more than the actual pitch itself, though. You kind of have to, yeah, kind of divert your focus away yeah. from it. Um, uh-huh. It's like going to a strip club and they've got a hockey game on. you, you got to have two eyes working. Um, the gecko, you got to... Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think some of the writers, Arden Zwelling and, and, and I've, you know, I think Davidi sometimes obviously gets fed information that he's he needs to pass along. But for the most part, those guys are are quite forward thinking as, as, as how they sort of project what they want to project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so overall, I'm happy with Sportsnet except for the underlying broadcast situation and the fact that they don't want to spend any more. Mm-hmm. M- I was just about to swear, Greg. <laughs> money. <laughs> Which M- is, is yeah. kind of the theme of the season, isn't it? So, um, the other know. thing was the, the the color commentator role, and I saw the name of Greg Zahn come up in that discussion. Um, would you be okay? Because I have heard Zahn do the radio color oh, occasionally. I've never heard of him. Yeah, and he's actually not bad. Uh, if anything, I think he would add personality and a little bit of humor to the broadcast, which is sorely, sorely missing, I, I find, from... The, the scripted and painful sometimes banter between Pat and Buck. I but, think Zoni, what, you know, I, I'm not a huge I, fan I, of Zon. I'm not a, yeah, you know, that's the thing. I I'm sort not, of, I, I but sort of go be, really back and forth because he sometimes he makes himself into a caricature. But then other times, but he, you kind of need that out of the brings up <laughs> A, he brings up some really good points. And B, he's not afraid to tell it like it is. He's not a yes man to the company, mm-hmm. um, which if he's, if he's there for every pitch of every inning, criticizing, I don't know if the if the big wigs would start to get tired of that after a while. Well, look at uh, the JP Aaron Sibia situation last year. Yeah, exactly. Calling them out, yeah. according to JP. I met, funny enough, they're they're going to be back here this year. Um, Jamie Campbell and Greg Zahn do an annual, I was going to say Super Bowl, but <laughs> Grey Cup yes. trip where they uh, they go to the host town and, and go to the game and, and have a bit of a party. And uh, I was invited to the party last time through a friend. So I met Zoni and really nice guy. Um, crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to see. I, and I saw a lot of suggestions on online of, of people, maybe just bring in another team to pinch hit for Buck and Pat, just to break that. You know, I think a lot of it's just that they build up and build up their, <laughs> not, I was going to say stupidity. They're not stupid guys. <laughs> But just the inanity of some of their conversation, right. it just builds up, and you, as a as a viewer and as a listener, you just kind of after a while your head explodes. But maybe if they brought in someone like Zon for five games, I know you know they do do vacations every year, and, yeah. and what's his name, the the radio, the new radio guy came in and covered. oh Joe Siddle, yeah, yeah, Joe Siddle came in yeah. for a bit and pinch hit. And yeah, last year, Jack Morris came in from the radio and pinch hit. For Alan a while. Ashby the year before that, who was yeah. phenomenal. I love so, Alan. So yeah, so I mean, get someone that's a bit younger and 
Or like what the Mariners do. They've got Rick Rizzo that does the first three innings and then they've got a younger guy, can't remember his name off the top of his head, that comes in from four through six or whatever Mm. and just gives you a bit of a change of pace, maybe a a bit of a different perspective. Um, Well, the radio used to do that. It was Tom and Jerry for years, what I grew up listening to on the radio side. Well, and what's his name comes in on the radio side? He does a few innings as well. Mike Wilner, who sounds like like Jerry Seinfeld doing play-by-play event. you know, it's an interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting concept. And I know in Lansing, going back to them, uh, Jesse and uh, Brain Cramp, uh, the guy that did Bluefield last year, kind of switch hit and did a couple of innings each. Um, so yeah, that's something I think they should look at. They got look at they got shitloads of money. They've got content free content that they market on the, digitally. They're a broadcasting TV. company. You should yeah. be able to scout talent and bring them into the organization. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I remember the Sportsnet, the the head of media, Sportsnet, or whatever, tweeted out, "So happy to announce five year blah blah." blah. And yeah. some guy tweeted back, "Is so far every reaction I've seen has been negative. Good thing you're not in entertainment, you know." Yeah. And it's true. It's yeah. uh, I don't know. Anyways, we shouldn't take up a whole show doing <laughs> well, it's our, an interesting our critique topic, of, and I, I, you know, the fans, especially on the west coast of the Blue Jays, are you have to watch it on TV, and you're forced to listen to these guys. So yeah, I think it is a big issue, bigger issue than I think it is for the fans in Toronto. Well, and yeah. I mean, if you're not using something like uh, TuneIn or MLB.com, you know, obviously the local radio sports radio station out here doesn't pick up every Jays game. Um, not even close. So yeah, um, and now that they're TSN radio, they're TSN, I don't even know if they'll have any. That's a very good question if they're going to even be able to pick up any because I know all the Sportsnet guests that they had on are now not allowed to come on. So mm-hmm. the rebranding mean, may mean we don't get any Blue Jays radio games out there. So we don't even have the option to listen to it. So it's, there, there might be another situation where a different Rogers-owned AM station would pick up the Jays games. Not a sports-specific yeah. station, but who knows? Because I know they do that in some small towns in, around the Toronto area that are too far to get the Toronto station. Right. A random station will pick it up. There you go. Learn something there. Part of the Blue Jays network. (laughs) The Blue Jays radio (laughs) network. That's right. So, yeah, getting back to that second game against Hillsborough, we got off topic there. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to comment. um, I mean, Matt Smorrow, I mean, a lot to say about him. I I thought he had an excellent season this year, Um, dominated in the Appalachian Mm -hmm. League, pitched aside from a couple of Poor outings in, in Vancouver. I thought he threw very well in the Northwest League. Unfortunately, as you said, one of those poor outings was was the second game of, mm-hmm. of the Northwest League final where, you know, he walked three. I think he hit a couple of guys. I'm just looking at the box score now. I'm pretty sure, which is not something he'd done since the first game when he came up. Um, he only hit one guy. Um, but a wild pitch as well. You know, that's mm-hmm. something sort of he'd eliminated from his game. Um since that first game of the season, he hit where he one in, guy and had a wild pitch. Yeah, where he only, he only threw like what a third of an inning or two thirds in his he, first appearance and was all over the shop. You know, he kind of settled down after that. So, young guy, probably probably a bit nervous. Um, be nice but, to see a full season of Smoral, which we're not going to get. Nah, he'll he'll be in Lansing next year, and you know, we'll, be I'm sure we'll do another podcast where we'll we'll talk about all these guys that we were not going to get to see. But yeah. So when he's in Lansing, we'll have now that Lansing is another two years with the Blue Jays organization. We'll have uh, hopefully Jesse will be there to to break it down. Yeah, bring that's, him in. that's fabulous news that they re up with Lansing. Yeah. Um, for fans, I think it's the closest one to the greater you know Toronto area, other than so Buffalo. Other well, I mean in that league, it's the closest one to get to. It's right. still a bit of a hike, obviously, but yeah. 
you know, and it's from what I can gather, it's a great stadium, good fans, um, and obviously we already have a relationship with our current broadcaster. Trey Wilson is the other one. There Just, you go. Uh, um, Your brain, it's it works. It, it <laughs> comes and goes, doesn't it? it? Comes and goes. It was the whole time. It was processing, <laughs> and then finally, you got it. <laughs> so yeah. So and then another guy that we got late, um, uh, Rowdy Tellers didn't show us much. Yeah. Um, didn't do much in the playoffs. Didn't do well. He only played in the playoffs and didn't do much. Yeah. A couple of hits, hit under under a buck. Um, tough to tell. I mean, I saw him for a couple of that bats. Look to have a pretty good idea of the strike zone, yeah. which is what you want to see in in in, a, in that kind of hitter. He's a big, intimidating dude. <laughs> yeah, step up big to the plate, dude. But uh, I think I mentioned to you, to the, when we watched that game together. Actually, the uh, was it game one versus Spokane or yep, game two? The first home game. First right. home game. Yeah. Um, when we were in the oh, yeah, secondary we only saw, press there was box. Only, they only had two playoff games this year. Where we were in the auxiliary <laughs> media table, which was a picnic table basically <laughs> on the concourse. Hey, losers! You're down there. <laughs> At least we got a seat. Uh, at least we got a seat, and at least they spelled my name right and put my actual website on the uh, on the tag, which was kind of nice. Um, yeah, you know, big dude. I wasn't as big as I thought he was going to be. You know, you look at some of those high school pictures, and the guy looked like he'd eat another person. But maybe leaner. I think it looked a lot leaner than yeah. I was expecting. Um, I think there was one one AB where he had a three one pitch, and he took a party swing, which. Is what you're meant to do on a three-one fastball, but he kind of also stepped in the bucket and yanked his head out, which you don't want to see. Um, so, you know, we, we didn't really get to see him much, make much contact at all. So it's hard to tell if he was, if he, obviously his numbers, especially the well, the latter half of his season in Bluefield, and then his cup of coffee were Lansing were were very good. So mm. I expect that he was hitting the ball hard, but we didn't get much of a sample size to go on. Yeah, it's tough when a guy like that too is also trying to make an impression on his new team. And well, yeah, because they they've said to him right Vancouver in the playoffs, yeah. we need a big bat in the middle of the order. You're going down. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> Can you hit a bunch of home runs, please? <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it was great. Um, and you know, if we want to talk about the season as a whole, you know, he was prospect number seven in my top preseason top thirty that we got to see in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So. You know, and then you add in Max Pentecost, who will easily be on next year's top 30. Mm-hmm. You know, that's eight guys that are going to be in next next year's top 30, who, A, and I wrote about this on my site, um, not Your only Vancees. played in Vancouver, yourvancees.com, not only played in Vancouver, but really, aside from Toronto, all improved their stock. Uh, some huge leaps. I mean, would you even say Toronto went down? Like, well, he just sort yeah, of was I, level. I, I'm gonna. I, I had him quite high. I think so. I'm mm. gonna. I'm gonna have to put him down. Just not only, you know, not just because he had not a great season, but also because some of these other guys have just blown the doors off. Yeah. You know, you have to. You have to jump. Like, and he didn't. So, and he didn't. Like, By I, process of elimination, he's got to be the guy. I had. Here's here's my 17, 18, 19 from last year, Richard Urena, Miguel Castro, Dalton Pompey. Those are three in my mind, and I, I haven't done my top 30 this year. Oh. I've, I've sort of been mulling it over. Those are three top 10 guys. What kind of uh, prospect predictor are you? Those guys should have been top 10 last year. Come well, on. there you, you go. You knew your stuff, Charlie. Yeah. You had a- well, I mean, Pompey, <laughs> I was specifically hard on just because Canadian kid, I'd seen him with Vancouver, and I didn't want to push forward 
just because I'd seen guys and get that reputation of, of pushing guys that mm. I'd seen. But yeah, that was a miss. <laughs> Uranian Castro, we didn't really know all that yeah. much about. Um, we still really don't with Urania. We well, saw him a little bit. I think bit. the season you had in Bluefield, uh, I think true. we knew a lot more now. Um, so, yeah, I mean. Personally, though, that you've seen from him, he was only in Vancouver for the last little bit. Yeah. Right. Well, the playoffs in what, maybe six games or something like that. But, yeah. I mean, I I really liked what I saw. I didn't get to see a ton glove of the glove work. And he, I think he played he played one game at short. We split time with Barreto, who, big news about Barreto. Baseball America short season player of the year, yep. which not only is the Northwest League, but the New York Penn League as well. So, yeah. That's big news. That's big news. I, I yeah. commented on the article, and of course they never answered me. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, you know, I, while I don't disagree with the selection because I thought he was awesome, I'm just curious about how many pairs of eyes Baseball America would get on him this year. I just feel that... I don't know. I'm guessing where their writers are, but I would have thought they'd be based out east, so they would see the New York Penn League a lot more mm-hmm. than they would see the Northwest League. So, I'm sure they, they, have. they must have some a scouting network that they they trust thoroughly. Um, you know, because sitting around, sitting down behind home plate, scouting pitchers like I did all season, there were scouts around, and I did pick up the odd snippet here and there about Barreto, and you know, some of it was very positive, some of it was a bit mm, mainly on the defensive side. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see where BA would have got those reports from. But, you know, I think, you know, I don't know how many top prospect lists they're, they're going to be out. There'll be hundreds mm-hmm. from bloggers like me. But you look at the three or four main publications that most people look at. I mean, Dan Norris is going to be number one. And then I think more than one are going to have Franklin Bredo number two. Mm-hmm. So he had a huge year. Norris won't be a prospect for much longer. <laughs> Well, he... You got to include him this year. You have to yeah. include him this year, but he, he'll he be a major league pitcher next year, yeah. Which is, mm-hmm. which is I mean, it's awesome. I mean, it, it's yeah. unbelievable. This is a guy that we we're putting... I mean, I had him third. I've always been high on him, always, mm-hmm. you know, so... Um, you, you really, you think about it, the, the way the Jays have gone with their pitching, developing over the years... And look how long it took him to bring Ricky Romero in, into it. You know, it took him. Well, yeah, I'd, 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 I'm going to do this at some point. I haven't had much time to write lately, but I'm going to look back, and I'm positive Anthopoulos always said that he never wanted to promote someone under 20 above Lansing. And that's why the Lansing three of Sanchez, Syndergaard, and, and Nicolino stayed in Lansing. I, I can't remember. Did they get promoted to Deneen? Maybe at the very end of the season, but... They were in Lansing for that pretty much that entire season mm-hmm. of 2012, I believe it was, because they had this rule, this firm rule, we're not promoting teenagers above Lansing. Mm-hmm. And then people sort of started writing a bit this year, like, did they have a different philosophy? And I've kind of been mulling it over. I think you have to say yes. I mean, Miguel Castro was only 19. He had yeah. very little experience stateside, and all of a sudden he blows through three levels. I mean, we could talk about Kendall Graveman doing four levels. Kendall Grayman was old for his first two levels. He was yeah. a college pitcher, so you shouldn't be surprised that he, that he left Lansing and then left Dunedin, but then all of a sudden Buffalo, you know, and then the major leagues. Right. And and then same with Dan Norris. Here's a here's a kid, I mean, as I said, I had him three. I, I was high on him, but, you know, we were kind of going off, A, the stuff we knew he had, and B, a second half with Lansing. So it wasn't a huge body of work that right. that I was going off. And, you know, he's blown through the system as yeah. well. So. He sort of penciled him in at 
at three, right? Well, I mean, yeah, yes and no, but and, and it's the same with Roberto Osuna, you know, uh, sending him to Dunedin after coming back from Tommy John, and here's another 19-year-old yep. who two years ago, I'm I'm thinking this, the organization wouldn't have let him go, get beyond Lansing, goes to Dunedin, now he's going to the AFL. If he pitches well in the AFL, I could see him in double A to start the season yeah. as a 20-year-old, and then... You know, he's the next guy that's yeah. going to be in the major leagues. Yeah, and Castro's there too. <laughs> These guys, the arms keep coming, and you think it's, think it's over now, but no, it's. it's I mean, fun. the arms keep coming. So uh, this is it's a fabulous problem to have. And you think Syndergaard and Nicolino were prospects of this team as well, not that long ago? No, and I mm. saw. I mean, I I expected Nicolino to be in the major leagues by now. I yeah. thought he was that polished, but you know, I think he won the minor league, the the Marlins. Double A player mm-hmm. of the year, I believe. Um, He'll be up sooner rather than sooner later. rather than later. But I think obviously the Jays saw something there and and figured this he isn't obviously on the same level as the other two. Syndergaard had a had a tough year in the Mets. the Mets moved to they swapped, didn't they? The Blue Jays got Buffalo and the Mets got Las Vegas. So obviously we we all are well aware that the pitching environment in Las Vegas yes. isn't really. Uh, one that y- you want to send prospects to. Not just the pitching environment, just the environment yeah. of Las Vegas is not suited for the minor leagues. But he had a few injuries, <laughs> so I mean, uh, I fully expect him to come up and, and, and be a... But back to the Barreto point about winning the, the MVP, I think another thing that you keep bringing up over the year and when people would, would rip on Barreto is he's 18. Yeah. <laughs> he's MVP and he's 18. And he's accomplished this much over the, yeah. the course of the season... Whether or not he'll stick at shortstop is irrelevant it's at this point. Completely irrelevant. I mean, we I know we focus. I've focused on. I've written this a hundred times. Is Baseball Reference had him at three point one years younger than the average hitting age of the Northwest that's League. Huge. That's, that is that's huge. massive. You, if you, imagine when you were at eighteen, I was graduating high school. Imagine playing baseball against twenty-one year olds. Yeah. You know, or or hockey or whatever sport. It's still a huge difference physically, and he is quite physically developed. Mm-hmm. He's there's no puppy fat on this kid. He is he's bulked up. But um, there will be more development. There will be more development. <laughs> he hits some absolute shots to right field and you know, warning track shots at the net, and you say, Oh yeah, warning track power. That's gonna turn into 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 whether it's over the fence power or off the fence. And we're talking about the net. We're yep. talking about one of the toughest places in not only the Northwest League, but I think minor league baseball to hit home. And he was runs. banging him off the wall. And he was banging him off the wall. He was he was hitting long flies. He's you a know, little guy, but he's he can put a jolt in. He's only five it. nine or whatever, but he can put a charge. And his outs were loud. Um, you know, defensive struggles are going to happen. Yeah, but like we said, where he ends up, he could be a center fielder. He could be well, a variety. He, of he's going to play somewhere well. It's not like yeah. he's unathletic. He's a no. very athletic kid. He's just I don't think he's a great shortstop. Right. You know, there's plenty plenty of kids that came up as shortstops that don't now play shortstop. Right. It's not a it's not a big deal. Obviously. You know, some guys will tell you now his bat has to play a lot bigger. It's not like he's going to go to first base. <laughs> you know, he's going to play center. He's going to play third. He's going to play second. He's going to play a pretty premier, premium position. Yeah. So his bat doesn't have to play much bigger than what we think it's going to play. And he's he's matching a a more polished, mature hitter like a McBroom that was on this Canadians roster. He matched him hit for a hit. Maybe yeah. not with power like McBroom had this season, but... Well, in, yeah, in terms of consistency, he, him and McBroom were the the, the one-two punch yeah. the whole season. And yeah, here's a guy that's had four years of college yeah. baseball to refine his 
to his approach. Barreto's had nothing. He's not even close. Well, it's not only just that. It's the mental side as well, you know, mm-hmm. and, and getting into that, you know, the I mean, the professional environment. But, you know, McBruin's had four years in college working with different coaches yeah. and, and off-season training and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. That's why Barreto keeps being brought up as the, the main prospect and not a guy like McBroom because he's just he, – he's a men playing with boys at this point. Yeah. It's a different Although scale. I'm, I'm, uh, I've got the uh, – the Instructs roster here, the the Blue Jays were nice, nice to send that. And uh, McBroom's there, which I was a bit surprised oh. about. Um, I guess give him a little bit of uh, a thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's a bit weird. Just you know, he's. I mean, I think he's organizational, but he, he can hit. Regardless of that, you know, he had a very long college season, so I would have thought they would have given him the uh, the uh, the winter off. But he's at Instructs. I mean, if you think about. If you think of a name that you would think is going to be at Instructs, they're there. It's um, it's a pretty, pretty good lineup. You know, nobody that was in Dunedin uh, or above is there. It's f- from Lansing on down. Um, but yeah, Thomas Lane. Oh, sorry, not Thomas Lane. Two two first names, Lane Thomas, who I really hope we'll see in Vancouver next mm-hmm. year. Rowdy Tellez, Richard Irina, Mitch Ney. You know, all these guys. Yeltsin Gudinio's there. Franklin Barreto. Um, it's a pretty exciting Instructs lineup, so hopefully, you know, never know, maybe we can get lucky and see if we can't grab someone from there at, at some point. Mm-hmm. Well, we should probably bring on our, our guest, um, unless you have other stuff to get to before. I guess we could bring it in after. No, um, no, uh, no, I mean, Mike Mike went to Instructs last year after, same thing, after a long college season, yeah. same as same as Ryan, so maybe he'll have some insight as to what he worked on in his trucks. I'm, I'm sure, sure he gets to rest now, finally, that the season's over and done with. <laughs> yeah, well, he, yeah, he had a full spring training this year, and then, as as we noted earlier, moved around a bit. So I know he's uh, he's over in Florida. He went to Florida Gulf Coast University, mm-hmm. and I, I think he met a, a nice young lady down there who, who is from Florida, so that's where <laughs> he spends his off-seasons, not up in... Peterborough or wherever he's from. <laughs> um, funnily enough. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, sure. Okay. Let's find out uh, firsthand from Mike Reeves. Bring him in now. How's it going, Mike? Going well. Going yeah. good so far. Uh, just relaxing and, you know, trying to get my body rested and get back training and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're both hockey goalies, so we understand that. <laughs> We're the smartest ones on the ice, just like catchers are the smartest ones on the baseball mm-hmm. field. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so uh, it'll be good just to get your perspective on on some of the guys you you caught. And we're uh, both constantly sore as well, yeah, from and bruises. Exactly. So. Yeah, exciting. <laughs> I know where you're coming from on that. <laughs> Talk about your year. Um, I, I'm guessing it wasn't exactly ended how you wanted to, because obviously you moved around a bit this year. So just touch on that a bit. Well, you know, it was my first full season, right? Uh, yeah. So, going into it, I started in uh, the Florida State League in Dunedin, and I was backing up Derek Chung. So, wasn't getting much playing time. I was playing every three, three to five days. So, it was hard for me to get into kind of a groove there, you know? Yeah. So, uh, they called me, and they said they wanted me to get more APs. So, I got sent to Lansing, and... Uh, I was getting more regular ABs there and uh, whatnot, and you know I had my ups and downs. You know I was, I was 
struggling a little bit when I got there just because I hadn't, I hadn't really seen live pitching, you know, pretty much all year. Because I didn't, I when I went into spring training, I didn't realize that the catchers kind of get the uh, like the not so good end of the stick because <laughs> you know we're always catching bullpens and doing that, and so you and you have to split every game with another guy. So I came, I probably came out of spring training with twenty, twenty-five abs, and then I went to Dunedin for the first half, and I had like. I had like 70, 50 to 78 Bs, you know, so I hadn't, I really hadn't hit in almost a year, if you, if like you want to put it in that kind of perspective, like with regular ABs. So, you know, going into Lansing, it was, it was tougher for me to, you know, like when I started getting my timing back and all that stuff. And then uh, when I started getting into a groove there, they called me and said they want to win a championship in Vancouver and I guess Max Pentecost got hurt, so they said that's the priority. Vancouver is the priority. So um, they they told me not to look at it as a demotion, but more of a you know like a compliment that I was actually going there. So that 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 kind of felt good in that that regards. And you know it's always it's always a blast playing in Vancouver. Like you know obviously when I got the call, you know I I, uh, I was kind of like down or whatever. But the first game I played there, I was like you know what like this is awesome. You can't not love Vancouver. It's not a demotion when you, like, I guess on paper it looks like one, but when you're filling the shoes of a first-round pick like Max Pentecost, you're right. You can really look at it a bit differently when it's like that, right? Right, and you know what? Like, the other thing is, is being, like, a more defensive catcher sort of of deal, I didn't really understand last year going into my first, like, short season or whatever that, you know, guys are going to, the defensive catchers are going to jump around, and it's going to be, more where they need you now, you know. So, mm-hmm. for me, I like me going into next year. It's like I'm, I'm not gonna be like I'm just always gonna have an open mind, and you know, like it doesn't really matter where you start or where you finish. Like I'm just, you know, I'm gonna be that organizational guy and you know help out wherever I can. Yeah, I mean, it must have been a, an interesting first season for you. You came out of uh, Florida Gulf Coast, where. I, I don't have your stats in front of me, but I'm guessing you caught in the neighborhood of 60 games, another 55 with Vancouver, and then you went to Instructs, uh, I believe, right. didn't you? So you must have been pretty beat up at the end of that first season. Then you come into your first, like you said, your first full spring training where, you know, I talked to Clayton a lot last year, and he said, you know, just let us have a full spring training with these college guys, you know, guys last year like Chaz Frank and, and you and, mm-hmm. and Brendan. And then you'll really be able to see what they can do. But as you said, you know, as, as a catcher, you know, you're, you're catching bullpens all the time. Now, going back to instructs, what, from what I can gather, they, they sort of pick one or two things that they w- really want to work on with you. What was it with you that they, they sort of focused on? Uh, we focused on my, my transfer, throwing down a second. You know, it was about just getting quicker and, uh, you know, being more accurate and stuff like that. And, you know, it really showed, like, it's tough to throw guys out in short season just because the pitchers, they don't have a really good understanding of, of how, how to control a running game. But, you know, my numbers in Lansing and Florida State were good. Um, you know, it was just just more how to get the ball out of your glove and be accurate on the bag. And and hitting-wise, like you said, you didn't, you didn't get a ton of ABs. Um, how, how do you – I mean – not seeing live pitching, do you, do you think, and then going into Dunedin where you said you only had 60-odd ABs, do you think you, you developed this year? I know last year 
talking to Dave Pano, the, the C's hitting coach, you know, they were looking to get you to transfer your weight a bit more, you know, rotate your hips, find a few more gaps. Do you, do you think you made strides forward this year or the, the lack of ABs sort of hindered that process? You know what? It's actually funny that you say that because I was talking to, like, when panel was still there in Vancouver and he said to me that this is the best my swing has looked so far. And I said, you know what? Like, it's weird because my numbers don't show it, but I'm a way better hitter. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just one of those things, like, you know, this whole past year has been the biggest learning experience in my life. You know, I've learned more in the past year about baseball than my whole my whole other 20-whatever years of, you know, playing the game at the amateur level. It's just you get professional guys helping you, and, you know, you start playing the game, and, you're, like, they give you more, 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 like, leeway in the game to figure out what you're doing on your own versus in, like, college. You got your coaches telling you what to do, or high school, the same thing. And, you know, you start figuring out stuff, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, you know, like, what kind of player you got to be you start learning about yourself a lot more. So that's where I feel like I got more development this year. And, you know, like catching-wise, I feel like I'm 150 times better than last year. And that's sort of a testament, I think, to the coaching staff because if, if your numbers aren't showing it, it's tough on paper to, to see it like that. Um, but if they're t- taking you aside and saying, no, no, this is what we want, you're doing it right, uh, it's all part of the process, and you're going to find results eventually, um, it, it's good that they, we, you know, the, the team has... Um, coaches like that that are able to recognize. Well, they got a mental coach, uh, Steve Springer. Okay. You know, and his huge philosophy is hit ball hard and you win. <laughs> you know, how are you going to help your? How are you going to help your team win? It's not, and how the batting average is evil and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> you know, like I really like because obviously, I, I've always hit. You know, I've had one or two seasons in my life where I haven't hit, and this had to be one of them. But I went and looked at my numbers. You know, mm. and. I had the same, like, the, the same kind of, or when I was at the same amount of ABs as last year, I had, like, 11 less hits, you know. And that could be an infield dribbler or, a, mm-hmm. you know, a diving play guy makes. You know, like, there's so much so much more that goes into the batting average, especially when I only had, I had 200 or something like that. You know, like, four or five hits could change a season. Yeah, well, I mean... Like, like you said, so much batting average is such an illusion as a stat. You know, there's so many other things we can look at. Unfortunately, as a minor league player, we can't really look. There are some sites out there that do try and track how hard you're hitting it, your line drive percentage. Obviously, we can look at your your batting average of balls in play to see mm-hmm. if you're getting exceptionally lucky or, or unlucky. But as a minor league player, like you say, you know, if, if you feel you're a much better hit, hitter, and Dave does as well, you probably are. It's just a. It's tougher for us to track. So what we can see, you know, it looks like you didn't have a great year this year. But you know, as you say, you you were probably stronger in the in the long run. That's right. You know, and like in, in the end, you know, the minor leagues is about development. Mm-hmm. You know, and that kills me to say because I'm like the last person on every team that is about that. Like I'm every <laughs> game, I'm going to win. Like it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's tough. It's tough for especially guys like me to sit back and realize that, you know what, like, this is about development. Like, if I stay on this this path, I'll end up being good or, like, as good as I can get. And if that's not good enough for the big leagues, then, you know, I, I'm going to have no regrets. So, 
I just wanted to touch on quickly, you said you were a much better catcher. I, re- I read a really good article today from a, a fellow Blue Jays blogger who uh, pointed out some of Deanna Navarro's deficiencies defensively um, and that, you know, Sal needs to work with him in the offseason. How much time have you have you had a chance to work with Sal Fasano and, and what has he helped you with? Well, all spring training, Sal's with you. And, you know, because I bounced around so much, I caught Sal at almost every place. <laughs> I didn't catch him in Lansing, but... He was in Dunedin a bunch, and then, or maybe, no, I caught him once in Lansing. I didn't catch him in Vancouver. But, uh, yeah, I was with Sal for probably, for a good amount of time. But uh, he's great. He's awesome. You know, he's that guy, he's a guru of catching. <laughs> when I first got to Pro Bowl, I thought I was like, oh, I, I know catching or whatever. But this guy, I just knew the tip of the iceberg. He right. knows <laughs> every little thing about everything, you know. And what's funny is I, he's probably one of the better pitching coaches, too, because he knows so much. Mm. He's caught so many pitchers, and he just knows all the little tricks. And, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you look at, well, I'm guessing it's his work with, with Derek, who, you know, came in, Derek Chung, sorry, who came in uh, as an infielder, basically. Caught a few games when he was here in Vancouver, and, you know, is now quite generally regarded as one of the better defensive catchers in, in the minor leagues, so... You know, if you can get on that train, then <laughs> there's jobs. There's always going to be jobs for, for good defensive catchers, isn't there? Especially in kind of the de- depressed offensive yeah. environment there is these days. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, I watched Chung for the whole half season or whatever, and, I mean, he's good. He, like, there's no doubt about it. And I, he's really took what Sal had to say to heart, and it's worked out for him. So, you know, I'm trying to follow in those kind of footpaths. Um. I know it's going to be tough to to compare because you were in Vancouver for such a short time this year. You know, we can't say we're disappointed because you, you know you got to the final again. But what do you think was the difference this year? Was there any difference? You know, last year it, it seemed a very similar situation in that a team that didn't play so great in the second half kind of got fire at the end, and then you steamroll. You know, I thought I thought I think this year's team was better than last year's team. I thought funny. so too, player wise, but. Mm. I mean, in, in my right. eye, Hillsborough was just a very good team, and that, that's how I saw it, but you may have a different opinion. Well, last year I didn't get this, and this year I did get this, but um, in the championship or in the playoffs, it, everything has to go right, you know, especially because they're only three-game series. A lot of things got to go right your way, and, you know, we didn't catch the, uh, the lucky bounces in the championship, you know, the first game. <clears throat> there was a questionable ball that was foul, like a cult fair. You know, these aren't excuses or anything, but, I mean, it's it's just like little things like that, like, you know, uh, a ball taking a bad hop on a guy, stuff like that. It's just the the bounces got to go your way, and, you know, they didn't work out this year. Yeah, you play so many five-game series throughout the year against the other division, and you get to the, the playoffs, and in such a short, you know, before you blink, the, the series is over. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> I mean, it was tough, but... You know, it sucks, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good lesson. Actually, a question, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this, because I, I just, I, I wasn't sure why. I mean, game two against Spokane, um, I think it was Chase Millard's spot, but Hyro started, so I'm I'm curious as the decision-making there as to why they wouldn't have held Hyro back for a potential game three or game one. Do you, uh, were you in on the decision-making? Obviously not making the decision, but did did they let no, you guys know? No, I didn't make know? decision, uh, yeah, I think, well, Hyro is our, our number one guy, right? He led the league in pitching, and mm-hmm. 
you know, I guess they felt more, they felt that he could, uh, he could do game two. And you know what? If it went to game three, it was probably a good decision because you got an older guy going. Right. Chase, you know, a college guy. Um, I don't know. I know we got rained out that first night, right? So yeah. it gave me the extra day. And, yeah, it know. sort of threw everything off a, a little bit, but I, I think it was Chase's turn. So with the extra day, they, they had the flexibility to, to flip guys around how they, how they saw fit. I was just curious, you know, Spokane didn't have a great second half. You know, I thought maybe give Chase the chance to close it out and then let Hyro go against, you know, your number one mm-hmm. go in game one of the final. But that was my well, only what, query uh, Spokane, of... Spokane had a lot of lefties in their lineup too, right? So that probably had something to do with it. Right. Hmm. Um, I wanted to touch on what the life of a minor leaguer, and this is particularly apt for you this season. You know, you, I guess you're in spring training. Dunedin, you guys, you're probably in an apartment with a couple other guys, and then you get the call to go get some more ABs with Lansing. Again, you're, you're sharing an apartment, and then off to Vancouver where I'm guessing you got billeted like everyone else. What What's it like? Host, I get the host family. The host family, yeah. Mm-hmm. What I mean, what's it like moving around like that? You know, I'm, I think... And correct me if I'm wrong. You sign a contract at the beginning of the season, so it's not like your pay grade jumps up and down wherever you go. Um, you, you're just changing uniforms, but it must be quite difficult, you know. Or, or do they help you out with with finding a place, slotting you in with some guys in Lansing, and 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 going from there? Well, the thing is, if you move, somebody's coming up or somebody's going down, right? So you, those guys usually just jump into your place and you jump into their place or whatever. But um. <clears throat> Uh, like they'll they'll have like they don't really help you out that much. They'll just show you uh they print out a bunch of stuff off Craigslist and you got to go find you got three days to find your own place or whatever. <laughs> but uh, wow. they'll put you up in a a hotel for three days and if you don't find one by then, uh, I don't know. I don't know what happens. <laughs> I always make sure I found one. You always found one. Well, uh, the place we got in. Uh, Dunedin was really nice because it was by the stadium. I was with uh, Marcus Connect and Jesse Hernandez. Okay. Uh, it was by the water, so it was a pretty sweet deal. Then I moved to uh, Lansing, which uh, there was Dickie Thon, Mitch Nay, and Justin Atkinson. And they were like, hey, if you want to live in our unfinished basement in the ghetto, <laughs> you can live there for free. So I was like, oh, I'll hop on board on that. So, <laughs> I went and bought a mattress from Goodwill for like ninety five bucks. Nice. Threw it in the uh, unfinished basement and crashed there at night. Nice. Wow. And then, uh, so when you when I moved to Vancouver, it was a special treat for me because my host family, my host family from last year, are like the greatest people on earth. <laughs> they cook every night, steaks, uh, you know, ribs, everything. So it was more of an upgrade for me to go. <laughs> you know, I'm jumping down a level, but I'm moving up in a level in a way too. You know. Sounds like you got the same family as Marcus Stroman got. He always was tweeting about the food they were serving him when he was yeah. in town. The host, the host families in Vancouver are unbelievable. Like, there isn't one guy that, that I've heard that has had a bad host family. So I don't know. The uh, mattress in the basement seems pretty glamorous, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, with with takeout Chinese. There was, a down there. <laughs> there was a furnace down there. When it got dark, it, it got a little scary. Too, <laughs> what, and you say near the beach in Dunedin. Doesn't, isn't it like ranked one of the nicest beaches in the USA mm. as well? I I know I know like Clearwater got ranked like best spring break area this year, yeah, but okay. I went to school in Fort Myers, so I I mean I've been been by the beach for almost four or five years now, so 
you know, especially being a Canadian kid, it's like almost being on a resort, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Now, something topical for tonight. Um, I haven't seen if he's he's been up a fourth time, but Pompey is three for three tonight with two triples and a double. You, I saw that. Yeah, you would have played with him for for two months, I guess, in Dunedin the whole time you were there. What? I mean, we know what he's like as a player. What was he like as a guy and, and as a teammate? And fellow uh, Canadian, awesome. obviously. You're where he's yeah. from Mississauga. Where about you from again? Sorry, I'm from Peterborough. It's two hours, okay. two oh, okay. hours uh, north. Well, my my co-host Greg is. I played is Ontarian as well, so he knows more than I do. Spent some yeah, time in Bob Cage in Idaho. Growing up. <laughs> uh, Pony, uh, that guy is amazing. Well, I'm actually playing him uh, this week in fantasy football, so <laughs> I don't want to give him too much credit here, but, uh, yeah, you know, the Canadian guys stick together, and, you know, um, me and Pony are good buddies, but not this week. <laughs> and hopefully, uh, hopefully I win, but we'll see. Speaking of Canadian guys, I'm interested to ask your opinion. Um, Justin Atkinson had a nice year in Lansing, and I'd heard rumors that he changed his swing quite a bit, um, but couldn't get anything confirmed. What did, what did you see when you were there? You know, I'd, I when I first got there, he was injured. No, he played for a couple of days, but then he got injured, so I didn't get to see much of him. Right, okay. Um, when he was coming back, he started taking BP, and you know what, he, he looked stronger more balanced and uh, he just looks like more of a mature hitter oh nice um, and on being a catcher let's we'd be remiss not to talk about a couple of pitchers that right. you got to cut, catch this year and especially since I mean I think developmentally the, the year some of the Jays pitchers had especially it, it was a bit of a funny year they seemed to be a lot more aggressive this year with their with their pitcher promotions but you you had the chance to catch some of the guys that are now pitching in the major leagues um you know, we could, we'll talk about Norris in a second, but were, were you there when when we read a story a couple of weeks ago? Where Kendall Graveman had a bit of a, a eureka moment in in Dunedin. I think I, I think he mentioned Derek Chung in the article, but you would have been there as well, where he sort of figured out that if he if he gripped the ball a certain way with his four seamer, it it cut. I uh, I was there, but I wasn't there when he figured out his cutter. But I mean, when you. I mean, did you catch him before and after? Like, what what did you see him? I mean, his his velocity's far improved this year, which a lot of people are disattributing to the fact that he was tired after a long college season. I think he was what Mississippi State, and they lost in the final um, that year last year. So he was his velocity was a bit down. You know, this year he's consistently hitting the low nineties. What you know, what was it like catching him? Uh, you know what? He lives down, and his ball moves. You know, and he's got a pretty good slider, so mm-hmm. that's just a combination for success. You know, you don't see too many guys with, like, a true sinker these days. Um, he's got it. Yeah. And he's doing it around 90, 93, 94. Uh-huh. So, and he's putting it where he wants. And, you know, if that's that's the biggest thing I, I say to my pitchers. Say, you know, if you put it where you want it, these guys aren't going to hit. You know, like, play the odds here. And he's figured it out and you know it's awesome to watch him pitch and it's awesome to catch him too it's probably great for the infielders too lots of action for those guys lots of action <laughs> you know a lot of ground balls and I'm, I'm guessing it's the same with with Dan Norris this year is that you know just, his mechanics when he came into the system were you know he admitted himself not quite right but he, he seemed to get things figured out the back half of last season with Lansing and then this year you know I'm, I'm guessing it was the same thing he was just putting it where, it wa- where he wanted and and going from there. Absolutely. And, you know, Norris has some of the best stuff I've ever caught. 
you know, so once he starts, you know, really locating where he really wants, he's going to be one of the better pitchers in the major leagues. Speaking of some of the best stuff you ever caught, it was interesting. There was an article recently for, about Matt Smoral. I think I'm saying that right. You guys just call him Smo, yep. I hope. Um, <laughs> Moral. Um, I guess Dan set him or gave him some advice in, in spring training and, and taught him his slider grip, and, and Matt sort of went with it this year. And we just read an article that they're saying it was one of the best pitches in the Appalachian League, and you got to catch him in, in, in Vancouver. What did, what did you see from him and, and you know, especially, specifically that slider? I think his fastball still needs a bit of work. You know, he's a, he's a huge guy, and his, his mechanics are just going to need to be ironed out a bit further. But, you know, his slider seemed to be a, a plus pitch. Yeah, you know what, his slider is amazing. But the thing that we figured out in Vancouver was, I, I guess, he, he cuts his fastball sometimes. Okay. But his middle finger is almost like two inches bigger than his other finger. So, I mean, he's got to, he, he's going to cut the ball sometimes. But <laughs> I'm trying it, to it, picture that in my head. That would be freaky. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty freaky, but it is nasty when he cuts the ball. And I, in the games that he pitched really good and was really locating, most of his fastballs were cutting, and the odd one would run. And that's when he was having his big success because he's getting a lot of swing and misses off a fastball. And, you know, he can run it up there to 97. And, you know, to go with a wipeout slider like that, he's just get, once again, he's just got to, you know, really locate it, and he's going to be a, a really good pitcher. Yeah, what ha- what happened in the playoff game? I mean, I've, he's still, I guess, susceptible to a bit of wildness. He he hit a couple of guys, which he hadn't done since the first game. When he first came out to Vancouver, was it just a bit of nerves, you you think? Yeah, you know, he's a young kid. You know, he's 19 or 20, and, uh, you know, it's a big situation for a kid to be in, you know, yeah. and a lot of those hitters that they had were older guys, and a lot of them just, you know what, they got on the plate and, you know, it just wasn't his game. Right. And the the other big we met we talked about him earlier, I just want to get your your take on him was was Hyro. You know, started the year in Lansing, couldn't find a plate to save his life. <laughs> um, sent him back to extended. From what I gathered and extended he was he was doing really well and then obviously had a great season in Vancouver. Um, two questions. what what do you think his best pitch is and what's it like of from what I could gather, he doesn't speak a ton of English. So what's it like working with, mm. with a guy that speaks primarily Spanish? And you might have a bit, but I'm guessing not a lot. I could be very wrong. Sorry if I am. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I can get by. Like, I, I know the, the pitcher's lingo or whatever, but uh, is actually pretty good. You know, he, 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 I caught him last year, too, and, you know, his English keeps getting better. So, right. you know, and when, you, when I – my approach with those Spanish guys is, you know, I, I always really – really make sure they know who I am and we're working together because, you know, there's nothing worse than a pitcher being out there throwing to a, a guy he doesn't know, you know. Yeah. So I always just try to, you know, so, have some sort of communication or just, you know, joking around with them or, you know, figuring out that. But um, Hyro's finish is fastball. Yeah. You know, he when he, when he locates it, it's, it's, it's primetime fastball. Hmm. So, I mean, <laughs> there's definitely... I don't know who to who to look out for next year. Yeah. Um, it seems like we got to see everybody in Vancouver. Yeah. It was sort of a a, a prospect pornathon. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, Everyone's made their way through the system. Everyone's going to be moved up. Yeah. Next year. Um, I would. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see uh, Castro next year. Yeah, that was going to be my question. I, I looked at you guys' dates, and it looked like you 
maybe cross paths for four or five days in Lansing. So, maybe you didn't you didn't get to see him throw. No, I caught him twice. Oh, you did? Okay. Mm-hmm. What did what did you think of him? Because, and again, I'm no scout, but I I would sit behind home plate for him and and Hyros and and Matt starts later on after he got promoted and and chart them and try and see what I could pick up and. You know, obviously a kid. I'll just say this. I'll say this about Castro. <laughs> He's the real deal. Okay. I mean, good. good start. I, I spoke to someone on Twitter the other day who, you know, we were kind of bouncing ideas off each other for the the number one prospect in the Jays system, and and this guy said, "I'll I would go Castro without any qualms whatsoever." I mean, and I said that was bold. Um, no, he's trust me, trust me. He's <laughs> the real deal. Well, it's funny. Yeah. I mean, maybe because. I, when he was in Vancouver, and, and this this is just me nitpicking because you got a 19-year-old kid that can sling it up to 98, 99, you're not going to complain. But he seemed to get under his slot a bit, and his slider just got a bit slurvy, and he got a bit slingy. But, you know, obviously, they were, they're very high on him. He went to Lansing and made, what, three starts or something like that before he ended up in Dunedin. So, and, and you're, as you say, it, it's legit. Yeah, he's yeah. I mean, everybody's going to drop down every once in a while, you know. It's just, well, it just comes with it, but, you know, he's, he's not in the major leagues yet, but I, I, I'm, I'm speechless when I have to talk about his stuff because he's throwing 98 with some serious run. Yeah, he's, he had massive arm side run, didn't he? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Does that, does that run make it difficult to catch for you? Yes, yes, it does. You know, every time I'm hitting it, I'm like, damn, I got to catch it every time. <laughs> Another guy, actually, was Alberto Toronto. What was, I mean, his 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 two-seamer looked like it was all over the shop, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why, you know, he he couldn't quite get it right in Lansing and, and was in the bullpen in Vancouver. But, man, when I saw him, I think you, I'm pretty sure you were catching, I saw him pitch for an inning and, his slider is unbelievable, and then he would yeah. throw a two-seamer that was just, it would move a foot or two. Yeah, it's, see, I'm trying to get him to, th- I was trying to get him to throw his fastball more, because when he, when he would throw his fastball, it would be ungodly, or his, his slider, it would be ungodly. Right. But, you know, he throws so many sliders, the, the hitters, they get to see it, you know? So it's the, the almost surprise effect is kind of, Eliminated, but you know, when he got it, when he's got his fastball on, that's when he's going to get a bunch of punch outs because then, you know, guys are going to be trying to swing earlier, and then if he's got that that run on his fastball, they're going to get ground balls. But if you get him deep in the count, he's going to he's going to strike everybody out. Yeah, do you reckon it was just a bit of confidence? You know, he he wasn't spotting his fastball all that well, so he just switched. You know, and his slider was given that opportunity just to throw strikes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, with him, you got to. You got to figure out which which is just going to be his pitch that day. If he's not locating his fastball, he he does locate his slider a lot. So, you know, we go to that. Um, I was, I was just looking at Greg. Um, <laughs> what um what does the off season entail now? So you're you're resting now. How long how long do you put your feet up before you get back at it? And when you get back at it, where where do you go? Uh, I'm going. I'm going. Uh, I'm starting October first. Uh, I'm in Gainesville, so actually, I'm waiting for Schaefer to get back from uh, Chris, uh, from uh, Instructs, so uh, we could work out at the uh, the Florida Gators area there. But I'm waiting on these uh, these other guys from. It's called Natural Baseball, and uh, they're you're mm-hmm. calling me back. I'm going to see if I can work out there. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, it's all in the progress. How far is I? That was going to be my, my I was going to wow you with my trivia because I, I figured it was University of Florida that's in Gainesville. How far away is that from you? And and what's the complex like there? The complex is unbelievable. I mean, it's I mean, one of the best in the SEC. But uh, no, the school's literally five minutes down the road. So ah, nice. All right. Well, uh, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Much appreciated. Obviously, the insight you gave us, um, I basically got a boner when you started talking about Miguel Castro. <laughs> so now I'm going to have to sort of rejig my uh, my top prospect. Well, he was going to jump into the top 10 regardless. but Well, nobody you know, knows better than the catcher well, yeah, of a guy's I mean, stuff. It would be a testament to a guy's stuff. So we really appreciate you, you coming on and doing this, Mike. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mike. Much appreciated. And there you go, Mike Reeves of the Vancouver Canadians, and that was a nice little chat with him. I'm very glad we get uh, get him on the the podcast because we haven't really had a we've had a few episodes where there had been no guests, so we we felt uh, good bringing in uh, <laughs> uh, we'll say a premium guest for this this show to to sort of make it up to you for the the long wait between episodes of the the former Your Vancey's Weekly Podcast, <laughs> <laughs> the podcast formerly known as the Weekly Podcast. Yeah, and I mean just. What he said there about Miguel Castro, um, wow! Yeah, food for thought as as we do start to think about prospect season and and where I where we start placing names and on the board. Well, with him with his review of Castro, it's hard not to. Yeah, be uh, thinking top five, and I was thinking top ten, but how now, do you keep him out of the top three? Yeah, well, he's the real knows? deal. I mean, yeah, if if he's the real deal, I mean, obviously. He must be around the same age as, as Roberto Asuna. So if if Asuna pitches really well at um, in Arizona, for me it's going to be tough to have Castro in front of him just because that means, A, Asuna's pitching well after a year, well, whatever it's been, 14 months off with his Tommy John. Right. And B, we'll also get a lot more info because there'll be quite a few scouts. I know Keith Law is is heading to the AFL, so... Fingers crossed he gets to see him, so we get a bit of a first-hand account from from him. Um, so, so yeah, it'll be it'll be good to see what what other people are thinking as well. Because I know, um, you know, one of the when we had uh, you saying Mike Reeves is a little biased. Well, <laughs> no, I mean I think I think Mike knows knows what he's talking about, but just a differing opinion and me may, maybe one with a bit more of an anchor dropped out. Um, you know who, you know Keith Keith can be very harsh. On prospects and and rightfully mm. so, you know he he he's worked in front offices before, um, knows what he's doing. But there'll be other guys there, I'm sure. Kylie McDaniel will be down there. Yeah. Well, speaking of Keith Law, there was a funny tweet of his a few days ago. There was a, a trending topic. Uh, it was tweet to yourself ten years ago or something, and he tweeted, "Do everything in your power to convince the front office to draft Andrew McCutcheon." Yeah, I think I, I've seen <laughs> that. Yeah. And he, of course, was with the Toronto Blue Jays organization at that. Draft, which I think was the two thousand and six or seven, something like that, um, where the Jays drafted Ricky Romero rather than well, Troy, Troy Tulowitzki yeah. or Andrew McCutcheon. <laughs> so that was an interesting little tweet I saw from him because obviously he he may push for it a little bit to get them to draft him, but obviously it wasn't enough because the Jays went with Ricky Romero. Right, hindsight, right. twenty twenty, all that stuff. What are we paying him? Seven million bucks next year, or whatever. Uh, paying him to pitch for another team, I think, after they release him. Anyways, <laughs> Miguel Castro, unbelievably, is is older 
and Roberto Asuna. It's not much. Well, they signed Asuna very young. When Three was, months or whatever. Was he 17 so. when they signed him? And I saw a picture of him the other day um, on Twitter. And, I mean, he looks like the biggest worry for, for, I think, a lot of people that write about prospects. And I think Jason Parks, when we had him on in episode two or whatever it was, said, you know, we're worried about his body type. You know, and, and this is a big thing. He's going to be off for 14 months. Does he come back in shape? And he looks to be in amazing shape. For it's a pictures. grueling comeback from Tommy yeah. John. If anything's going to whip him into shape, it's going to be. A, yeah, like I mean, I got rehab. word on Twitter that he was running X amount of miles per day. He was doing this, doing that. So, if if he goes and shoves in the AFL, I personally am going to struggle to put Castro ahead of him. But you know, this it's an embarrassment of riches, really. Yeah. It's, so it's it's not the worst yeah. worst thing in the world. That's an, it's an argument internal struggle you you want to have yeah. at this point. Yeah. You're not going to be uh, upset about dropping one below the other, right? Yeah. Anyways, that I think that's going to be food for thought on an entirely on its own podcast. So we should probably uh, yeah. end this one here. Well, yeah, we'll we'll try to our best to bring in uh, another special guest and maybe do a couple more before we we call it quits for the winter and go into full hockey mode. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll want to at least do a couple more just because there's so much to talk about and there, there's a, you know, instructional league and everything that's going yeah. on. So there won't be a shortage of things to talk about. Blue Jay season still wrapping up. So there'll be uh, lots of uh, post-mortem to do on the Blue Jays season, which will be, like you said, an episode in itself there. So Yeah. Well, and uh, just to keep everybody update, Dalton Pompey did not hit another triple in his last AB. So three for four on the night. One spectacular diving catch. Send him down. Yeah. yeah. Didn't Two get that last triple. Double. Come on. The bum. Yeah. Well, I think I think hopefully we have a guest on next week who's uh, if we can get him who's quite high on Pompey. Um, so there'll be plenty of, plenty of chance to talk about him next week. Starting center fielder, twenty fifteen. I think that's his his line of thinking. Yes. Is it your line of thinking? Uh, Come on. Right now, yes, absolutely. I think there was what's the stat? Ghost has struck out seventeen in his last twenty nine at bat. So I. When you're up against that competition, I think, yeah, you got to give them the slight edge. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll go into more detail on a later episode, which will be a lot sooner than a month from now, <laughs> I promise. Um, so you can follow Charlie on Twitter at Charlie Kasky, C-A-S-K-E-Y. And I am at Greg Ballock, S-T-B-A-L-L-O-C-H-S-T. We'll keep you up to date there. If you listen on iTunes, thank you for subscribing. If you're listening on SoundCloud, Thanks for stopping by and check out Charlie's ongoing blog on yourvansees.com. What you got coming up for us this um, week? I'm going to talk about the instructional lineup. Um, I'm going to look at that younger pitchers. And I've got a few things I'm sort of bouncing around. I've got a Rowdy Tellers article that's knocking around my head. We're also um, in cahoots with my brother-in-law, who's a, a techie geek, okay. to remake my site. So hopefully Ooh. that gets done soon. And we'll Maybe a little be podcast a, a section. Bit of a, definitely a podcast session. Uh, <laughs> so there'll be a bit of a relaunch. So looking forward to that. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the episode 11 of Your Van Seas podcast. We'll catch you next time. See you later.